these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. All right. I want you, Kyle, to... And by the way, we're recording this on a Monday. We will post this, I think, before Monday is over. Uh, we shuffled some things around here. The T-Wolves don't play again until Tuesday night. But to start this episode, and we have a million things to get to, including the dumbest end-of-game scuffle I've ever seen <laughs> in person before. What is the Phil Jackson 40-before-20 theory, and why does it matter for the Timberwolves in a good way? So I'm glad we're talking about this first. Uh, the Timberwolves over the weekend drop that game against the Bucks with Stephen A. Smith sitting courtside next they got to ner- I think they got a little nervous trying to impress Stephen A., not going to lie. I think that was a weird day. There was at least one person I talked to that was like, everyone didn't get their naps and stuff. It was another really late tip. I mean, this is first world problems, champagne problems, but 7 o'clock basketball tips on the West Coast are kind of a tough hang. You know, I like my 5 o'clock one so I can have time at night. So that was tough for me, let alone... 22 year old Anthony Edwards, but um, Damian Lillard napped for four hours, I'm told, and the Wolves didn't get to nap at all. And if I would have known that before the game, I would have told you what was going to happen. Yeah, so that was a tough loss, but then they followed up with a grimy, as you called it, maybe one of the five best wins of all time (laughs) against the Nets. Which there needs to be a sarcasm font on Twitter, is what I'm starting to learn after 15 years on Twitter. Sure. It made me laugh. This guy being like, super negative. No, I'm just I'm just making a little jokey poo about one of the ugliest games of the year. It's okay. It's not that serious, people. It's okay. We can poke once in a while. I just watched Saturday's game and I was like, thank God we don't cover the Nets because there was nothing <laughs> fun about that team. But, but dude, the, the Nets were shooting at one point 32% from the field and like 14% from three and were leading in the fourth quarter. <laughs> not, to, not to segue, but last night the Blazers uh, hosted the Hornets and at one point they were one for 25 from three. Yeah, <laughs> They scored like 80 points in the whole game. It was wow. tough. But uh, so to circle back on Saturday night, the Wolves win. They get to 40 and 17, uh, the first team to get 40 wins in the Western Conference. But Phil Jackson had this kind of, I guess now it's a famous take or this thing where you're not a true contender for a title unless you can win 40 games before you lose 20 games. Mm. So it's the Phil Jackson 40-20, I guess, philosophy. Uh, again, University of North Dakota alum, so who's going to disagree with the great Phil Jackson? But yeah. the Wolves did it. They got to 40 wins before they got to 20 losses. And there's a pretty good historical, like you can kind of go look at the teams that have won titles since then. And a lot of times it's teams that I know you've been really big on all these different stats and what the team's net rating translate to from a percentage standpoint of chance of winning the title. But this 40-21 is another one. that's like, man, if you hit 40 wins before 20 losses, you're a bona fide contender. And those teams usually make deep runs in the postseason, resulting in playing games typically in June. I love this theory. I love. I knew you I mean, would. Let's be I love anything that points to the Timberwolves winning the championship, which yep. is, I think, still a hard thing for us to. For, there's there's two things that we're fighting against when we talk about Timberwolves potentially win the championship. Number one is our preconceived, rightfully so, by the way, our preconceived notion that no Minnesota sports team, especially the Timberwolves, can have good things at the end. That something someone's going to break their hand punching a wall or something catastrophic is going to happen. And so I get that. Uh, I think the, the other thing we're fighting against is how good is this team actually, right? We see them have these weird bad nights. 
We see them struggle offensively at times. So there's like the historical narrative of Minnesota sports failing. But then there's just like you're looking at this team and sometimes they have these weird brain farts and these weird hiccups and you're trying to process this. But at the end of the day, if you zoom out, the Phil Jackson 40 and 20 thing, that's legit, man. Like that, that isn't, that's a really interesting nugget. And there's only going to be, so the Celtics have crossed that threshold, the Timberwolves and the Thunder. So congratulations. Those three teams are contenders to win the championship. The Nuggets can get there if they just win one of their next two games. Clippers would have to go three and oh to get there. So I think we can rule the Clippers out from being a champion. Sorry, Clippers. You guys are done. You're cooked. The Cavaliers would have to go. By the way, the Cavs, 37 and 19, if you haven't been following Eastern Conference basketball. Just com- completely under the radar, I feel like, in terms of like best the Cav- teams in the NBA. The Cavs and the Timberwolves are awesome with their two no. new players they acquired from the Jazz, and yet somehow the Jazz, <laughs> according to others, have won those trades. Isn't that Interesting. amazing? Interesting. Yeah, and all the talk is about where Donovan Mitchell's going to wind up next, right? Yeah. Oh, he's clearly going to wind up this way. Well, yeah. I mean, they're like the third best team in the NBA right now. And then, yeah, the so the Bucks. sorry, you're not going to win it. Knicks, sorry. Sixers, asterisk because of Joel Embiid. But, and I'll throw the other one out there too. I tweeted this the other day. The number one net rating defensive team the last 30 years, A, always makes the playoffs. B, advances in the playoffs 87% of the time. Makes the conference finals just under 70% of the time. Makes the NBA Finals 35% of the time and wins the whole thing 23% of the time. Now, Jim Pete, I think this might have been in our text thread. I don't think he said this on the podcast last week, but he texted us like over the weekend. Cross-reference, and I haven't done this homework yet, number one defensive net rating historically and top three in three-point percentage, which the Timberwolves were third coming out of the All-Star break and see where it falls there. I think the Warriors the Warriors had a year where they were the number one defensive net rating team and top three in three-point shooting, and they won the championship. But a lot of this evidence, and it's all just, it's all just at this point, numbers on a spreadsheet until they actually play the games. But the evidence is building that this team is not a fluke. They're not just having a lucky regular season or coasting by on some fluke, that this is absolutely a team that's going to be in the mix to potentially go to and win the NBA Finals, which is still hard to wrap our heads around. So I'm going to take it one step further. And you had really good notes. And sorry, Jim, I did not do my homework yet, but I'll do that by Thursday. Uh, Over the past, so the 40-20 philosophy by the Zen master himself. Over the past 42 seasons, so this includes what the Nuggets just did last year, the last 42 seasons, only four teams that won the title didn't hit this 40-20 thing. The 2021 Bucks, the 2006 Heat, the 2004 Pistons, and the 1995 Rockets. There's also three in those 42 years. I guess you would say NA because they were like strike years. So there wasn't like, or COVID years. But on, so let's just say that those four and those three, 35 of the last 42 champions hit this 40 win mark before getting to the They've come from the bin that the Wolves are in right now. And again, the only reason you would be like, that's a stupid stat is because it's the Timberwolves. And that's something that on this pod and this lifestyle, we're trying to break and get rid of that scar tissue. But if you just go with this 42-year data set, you hit 40 wins before you hit 20 losses, the numbers say you're probably going to be playing in June. And that I'm not ready for that yet. I haven't wrapped my head around it, but I think it's a really cool stat. Well, and it's funny. I 
if you were to take Minnesota Timberwolves out of their name and replace their profile with Los Angeles Lakers, for instance. Yeah, blind resume, yeah. Let's do yeah, let's do blind resume and let's literally just swap out Minnesota Timberwolves. We're gonna we're gonna paint over the storefront sign and we're gonna put a Los Angeles Lakers logo. And if I were to tell you, so the Lakers, with all their size and their big shot blocking behemoth in the middle, the Lakers are the best defensive team in the NBA. Their offense can be a little spotty. They can shoot, but it can be a little spotty. The second unit gets a little wonky offensively, but they do have a player or two offensively. They've got a unicorn big man, and they got a wing player that can just kind of take over whenever in the fourth quarter. So the offense, statistically, not that great. But in any given moment, they've got one or two guys that can just go score 40 points, right? And they have a 40-17 and 17 record, the Los Angeles Lakers, at the two-thirds mark of the season. Are the Los Angeles Lakers one of the championship favorites? Everybody would say yes. yes. Yeah. Right? Everybody would say yes. I was just looking this up when you were talking because everyone loves offensive rating and defensive rating. Over the last 10 games, the Wolves are tied for fourth with like six other teams in offensive ratings. So that offense that you said they can get clunky. I mean, we've said this before. January was real. It was probably the low point of the season. They looked terrible on offense and... Whether it was just getting through the trade deadline, guys being refreshed, whatever. I mean, Kyle Anderson is like the big one, right? He's playing phenomenal again. But, uh, yeah, the, the offense is clicking now. So, with that offense and then a defense that is multiple points better defensively in defensive rating than, like, number two. Uh, there's 40 wins. Still a lot of home games coming up. They do have a lot of back-to-backs. I guess that would be your bugaboo in terms of, like, trying to forecast these last 25 games. But, uh. I don't know, man. They're 40 and 17, and their preseason win total, according to Vegas, was 44 and a half. So they mm. have to go 5 and 20. 5 and 20. Yeah, I'm good at math. Uh, to hit that number. So I feel pretty good about that bet. But uh, there's just a lot of different stats that would tell you that the Timberwolves are probably for real. And the one that would say that they might be frauds is uh, what their name is and their yeah. branding. It's just, it's. I saw something else this morning, too. I love. But just before we start, we so just inside baseball here, we start recording a lot of our Score North podcasts, like me, Judd, and Declan. Mm-hmm. We'll do Purple Daily kind of middle of the morning. Uh, we'll do like Score North Twin Show and some other podcasts. And so early in the morning between like 7 and maybe 8 or 8.30, I like to flip around the national sports talk shows, Good Morning Football or Get Up on ESPN, just to see like what's the big news? Am I missing anything that I didn't catch the night before? And uh, And I love Get Up. Because Mike Greenberg has been a friend of our podcast and radio show for like 12 years. He'd, when he'd come into town during the old Mike and Mike days with Mike Golick, they'd come to like Target Field when it opened or they'd come for the Super Bowl or whatever. And he was always gracious and would just a totally normal dude who makes like $6 million a year blabbing about sports. And, <laughs> but he'd come on the show and he'd recklessly speculate. He used to... He actually took a couple of our fun segments that we did, including Reckless Speculation, and he asked, can I test drive that on my TV show? We're like, dude, go ahead. And he would credit us on the TV show. So I love Mike Greenberg is what I'm saying. This morning on Get Up, he brings Austin Rivers on the show, former Timberwolf, <laughs> obviously. And uh, Greeny did, every day he does like a ranking of some kind, and he ranked the five future faces of the NBA. Wemby, Jason Tatum, he put Giannis on, even though Giannis is 29. This is in five years. Who's going to be mm-hmm. the future face of the NBA? 
and, and a couple other guys. I can't remember who. And he said, hey, Austin, what do you think of my list? And Austin's like, it's okay, but Anthony Edwards has to be on that list, Greeny. And he starts listing off all the reasons. He's, he's a stud wing player. His style of play is conducive to being face of the NBA. He's flashy, but he's substantive. People love him. He's marketable. And he lists, literally lists off like seven different reasons why Anthony Edwards should be one of the five faces of the NBA in a few years. And Greeny, again, Greeny is the main host of the highest rated morning TV sports show, <laughs> national television. Greeny goes, I hear you on Anthony Edwards. You make some good points, but they've been number one in the Western Conference all year and nobody talks about them. And then he pauses and goes, maybe that's our fault. I guess, but yada, yada, yada. It's like, well, yeah, if the if the Good pushback is, there. well, nobody talks about the Wolves. Well, why is that? Why aren't you talking about the Wolves? They're interesting. Rudy Gobert is polarizing. Carl Anthony Towns is polarizing. Anthony Edwards is becoming one of the faces of the NBA. So this whole idea that, like, well, nobody talks about the Wolves. Well, you're going to have to start at some point here because they're still number one in the Western Conference. They're probably going to play the Warriors or the Lakers in the first round. There's a really good chance that happens. Then people are going to start talking about the Wolves. But I just find I find the discussion around this team, I don't really care about whether they get talked about or not. If you're relevant in May, people will talk about you in June. But just like the, the way that the national media and fans stumble around how to deal with what's happened, I think they just assume that, oh, it's been a fun November, fun December, and then this team will just kind of fade away and be the seven seed, right? But that's not happening, Kyle. NBA coverage on a national scale is just not as good as it is for football. I mean, it's just simple. Like, there are so many caveats that we could – maybe we'll get into this off season or something. But I just – I would say comfortably I hate how the NBA is covered nationally. I've been pretty – I mean, I'm like, what, the least critical person of doing some of this stuff. And, like, I pretty much dislike Adam Silver. I think a lot of the stuff he's done is not good. And that's another one. It's like they still base so much of their ratings and their conversations on – the Lakers and the Warriors, the teams that are currently ninth and 10th in the Western Conference and are probably going to have to play each other in a one-game setting yeah, to even figure out who gets to play again to get in the play-in. So, uh, yeah, the face, of the, the face of the league conversation is starting to come up because LeBron is older, Steph is older. They're also on, again, teams that aren't good. But it's going to be curious to see who takes that mantle because the guys that you would put up there are, you know, pretty quiet guys, you know, like, yeah, five years from now, Giannis is 34. Like, I don't know if he can count. Jokic doesn't like Jokic. this stuff. No. Luka doesn't <laughs> like this stuff. Shea is just would prefer to, like, you know, post captions on IG. Ant is pretty much over the, the coolness of it. You know, like, he had an opportunity at All-Star Weekend. Draymond Green actually had a quote, which is like, I didn't like the messenger, but I like the message, where it's like... I think he was right, yeah. If you were on to be the face of the league or there's an opportunity to be the face of the league, you probably have to embrace like the events and like if Anthony Edwards and this is a lot to put on him it's very selfish of me to say but I've been thinking about this since we've talked to Jim if Anthony Edwards would have came into that all-star game and been as competitive as he is in everything else he does right broom ball hockey golf tennis bowling he probably could have single-handedly elevated the competition level of mm -hmm. that because if a 22 year old kid is giving it to you I would imagine the other guys would have been like you know what so and maybe that's next year right maybe Anthony Edwards his resume and all the cool things he's done, shoes, movies, playoff runs. Maybe he also saves the All-Star game. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And, yeah, to Greenberg's point, um, if you talked about 
them a little more, they would be talked about. So uh, well, dude, I'm glad uh, that he at least has a mirror in that $6 million penthouse he has. But you bring up the NFL media compared to the NBA media. And I get that the NFL inherently is a much more national product. It's largely once a week with a couple. It's once a week in mass, but then Thursdays, Sunday nights, and Mondays are national events where mm-hmm. everyone's watching yeah. the game. Fantasy football is very much the most yeah. popular thing that people do on the internet. So so the NFL has found a way to become this national product that doesn't really require a team to be in a big market for you to find it interesting, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think the NBA can replicate the NFL's formula apples to apples because it is going to be more regional. Like you're, you can't just play games on Sunday, right? Like you have to play three games a week. It's going to be mostly locally televised. And I totally get that. But the NFL has built their product in a way where they're not afraid if a team from Kansas city is playing a team from Buffalo Buffalo. in a huge playoff game. They're not afraid if a team from green Bay, Wisconsin is playing a team from, I don't know, pick another small market. Well, Minneapolis, Minnesota or Tampa Bay, Florida, right? Or Jacksonville, Jacksonville, sorry, Jacksonville, but have you been there? (laughs) <laughs> I know. So it's, it, I guess if the NFL has been able to build the biggest sports league in the country and what the second biggest sports league in the world, I think the EPL is right there mm-hmm. too. And it doesn't matter if your team is from Buffalo or New York city or green Bay or San Francisco. Can we stop talking about Minneapolis, which by the way, Minneapolis is still a top 15 major market in the country. The NBA gets afraid if, like, Milwaukee makes it to the finals. Mm-hmm. Well, find a better way to make your sport. Your sport's international. Like, don't be afraid of it, I guess, is my grand soapbox message here. Yeah, I was trying to look. I mean, Minneapolis is ahead of, like, Denver. Technically, on, like, a media market ranking, Minneapolis-St. Paul is ahead of Miami. Mm-hmm. And Miami is, like, always glorified as one of the major markets, and it's like, you know, numbers don't lie. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see, I mean, the NFL thing too, I said this last week, but it was really embarrassing how the most vocal and most predominant talking heads spent all weekend in Indianapolis making fun of Indianapolis. And then you look at the NFL and they're like, we're going to have one of our, I mean, maybe it's the second biggest event behind the Super Bowl, the draft. We're going to have it in Green Bay. And I've been to Green Bay, went to a Packers game. Everyone flies into Milwaukee. Like, I don't, they're not going to all fly into Green Bay. There's going to be a ton of people flying into Milwaukee for that event and then caravanning up and down whatever interstate that is to get to Milwaukee. So the NFL has just done a great job of embracing every city that has a pro team as like, you're a major team. You're a major player in this. And the yes. NBA just doesn't done it. But uh, for the Wolves, you know what? I've really graduated from like the whole I love national coverage. I had to watch Friday's game against the Bucks with the ESPN crew rather than Jim and Grady. So I'm okay. That no longer bothers me. Just televise the games in April and May. Let me watch Jim and Grady and that whole crew. Um, and the Wolves probably will just do better under the radar. That's what the Nuggets kind of did last year, and they just cruised to. Uh, boy, were we wrong on that? <laughs> well, you you on the Indianapolis thing, you just nailed a perfect encapsulation of the difference between the NBA and the NFL in the way that the talking heads talk about the mm-hmm. sport. It was like the NBA felt the need, the panelists on TNT, just like they, everyone felt the need to apologize for the fact that oh, it's in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. yeah, it's in. It's in Indiana. Maybe we should. And then there, there's all this conversation about we should find a way to just put it in Vegas every year. Right. Let's just like and 
the Pacers are this long-time important franchise in the league's history, like 90s, early 2000s, right? They've got Halliburton now was one of the best young players in the NBA. And yet it's kind of like they're all, you know, you have the Barclays, and that's Charles makes fun of San Antonio and makes fun of them. I get it. The NFL, you mentioned Green Bay, right? Well, let's mm -hmm. just use apples to apples. The NFL's premier off-season event is the NFL Combine. Yeah. They didn't move it to Vegas, right? They hold it in downtown Indianapolis every year for like the last 30 years. And I don't know if you follow, maybe this is just like me following too many people on social media that are obsessed with the NFL Combine. But like the NFL Combine is so celebrated that people are making the shrimp cocktail at at St. Elmo Steakhouse trending on Twitter. Oh, you got to try the shrimp <laughs> cocktail at this. Like the NFL is like, no, 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 no. You don't get it until you've been to the combine in Indianapolis and then to these two steakhouses and had this shrimp cocktail. Oh my God. They put horseradish in the sauce, right? It's, it's like the NFL makes any place cool. They make Buffalo, New York, cool. They make green Bay, Wisconsin, cool. Anthony Edwards is making Minneapolis, Minnesota cooler mm -hmm. than it already is. And he's already being asked like, well, wouldn't it be better if you went to New York or LA? And he's saying, I mean, those are nice cities, but they're not better than Minneapolis. As mm -hmm. long as they keep offering me contracts, I'm going to keep playing here because I love it here, right? Stop. Like, I don't know. There's, I'm with you on Adam Silver. There's been some self-sabotage stuff, like the load management stuff, the, the clowning on. A few years ago, dude, ESPN, first take with ESPN when Kellerman, Molly, I think Kellerman was still on the show, Molly Kiram, when the Bucks made the finals, they literally spent like five or ten minutes at the top of their show, complaining about having to go to Milwaukee for the NBA final series. Like, stop sabotaging and, your own sport, for God's sake. And, man, and, oh, this is this pot's going to get off the rails. I don't know why there's, we're doing this right now. No, this because, there's, listen, it's an off day. <laughs> the Wolves look pretty good at home. They have some fun home games coming up. I'd like to talk a little bit about ownership stuff. But uh, it's also, there's nothing worse than when you get all expenses paid and comped and all that stuff to go on work trips and you complain about the work trip. I'm sorry, man. Like I do that for my job and like, there's nothing worse than being like, oh, yeah, man, they put me in Delta Comfort this time, and then my hotel was comped, oh, it's a and then middle seat, the per diem though. was only $175 a day. It's like, man, you do not have any sense of reading the room. But, yeah, the silver thing to me, and I've said this probably for three years, is that there's a difference between player empowerment and player entitlement. And in the NBA, with these contracts that are flying through the roof, and, I mean, I'm that's cool. They entertain me. I'm, I hope everyone gets paid, but... You're just starting to see more and more like we only care about these three or four cities and we only care about the regular season. We don't even care about anymore. We don't care about the all-star game. We don't care about summer league. Like everything is just they're marginalizing what's supposed to be fun, whereas the NFL makes everything fun. I mean, the NFL, I actually watched, as stupid as it sounds, NFL players play dodgeball. It was they they figured yeah. out the Pro Bowl now. They're like, you know, let's just have all our guys show up, give a damn, but we're going to have them play tic-tac-toe. Whereas yeah. the NBA, it's like you can't even get these guys to, you know, have one defensive stop on a Sunday night when you yeah. own the ratings. And yeah, anyway, long time. And you know what? I will say Go this Wolves. about about Ant, and this is where Draymond's been wrong about a lot of things this year, but him poking Anthony Edwards to take this stuff seriously, I think he's right about that. I think he's right too. Of course, he did go on the live stream and clown Carl Anthony Towns for taking it seriously. Again, so good a message, a, bad messenger. Yeah, a little bit of a hypocritical thing there. But if you're Anthony Edwards and you spend the entire All-Star weekend shooting left-handed and then you come back rusty in your first couple of games and talk about how, yeah, I'm just my shot's a little off. Well, yeah, I mean, you, 
he shot left-handed all weekend right. in Indianapolis, which whatever, like he's a young kid and he's going to be fine. But um, some some things to learn, I think, for the league, maybe even for Anthony Edwards and and some other guys on the ownership front. So I think I have discovered the key to the Timberwolves maintaining their status as the best team in the Western Conference. I was at the game on Saturday night. Absolute pillow fight. Two teams shooting 35% for two and a half hours. Timberwolves pull away late. The Timberwolves started to pull away in that game when Alex Rodriguez moved from his courtside seat to stand in the tunnel for nearly the entire second half. I think it was the full fourth quarter and a chunk of the third quarter. Arms folded. Nice little $10,000 watch with his little cashmere sweater rolled up. A-Rod standing in the tunnel overseeing his franchise. He, By the way, I think he has a much bigger impact on the culture change here than maybe we thought he would like two years ago. 100%. Would you agree with that? 100%. That's what I keep saying. And the reason I just wanted to bring it up is because there was a newsworthy-ish type thing. I'm not nearly as uh, experienced with like the longtime Minnesota media as you are being there. Again, I, last week I called you an icon, which I think some people liked and some people didn't like. Um, <laughs> but Charlie Walters had something in his article that basically was titled, Timberwolves buyers may need another extension because we are supposedly in March supposed to be like this final payment and we're getting close to this plane landing and this transition being official. Uh, and I'll get back to your A-Rod thing, but it's just since they've come here, I think two years ago or whatever, I've always said that no one likes their owners of a, of a pro sports team. You never want to give them credit. I think just we are inherently wired to not like billionaires which I get, um, but they've been a well-run organization. I don't think there's any way to counter that or debate that, right? In the last two years, yeah. even when the Rosas thing kind of became public and blew up, they handled it like a mature organization would. You can be like, well, Gerson Rosas was good at the job. Sure, but there's a lot of people that worked there that felt uncomfortable, and he had to go. And they came in right away and said, nope, you're out. Like, anyone involved is out. And then they went big game hunting, right? They get Tim Conley. They go make a big trade. They're on the hook now to be a really expensive roster come this summer. Uh, but behind the scenes, all the stuff A-Rod's done to like invest some money into this stuff, everything they've done, everything has been a win. My concern is, including the culture, my concern is it's almost like bar rescue where it's like someone just came in and was like, yeah, let's, let's paint that wall. Shut let's it do, down. Let's, yeah, let's Shut rebrand. Like, let's do this. Let's, let's get someone cool in here to manage this. Let's, let's have a nightclub, you know, behind the court for, for all the VIPs and the people that sit in the expensive seats. But none of that's really on. Like, they're not cutting the checks yet. That's still Glenn. And I'm just, you know, I've, I've, I've continuously heard things like this is going to be okay. They're going to figure it out. But then I know, like, our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson has heard some other stuff. And, like, I think that stuff's valid. Now you have Charlie Walters saying they might need an extension. They might be trying to get more people to buy. My overarching thing is I don't give a damn about second apron, CBA stuff, luxury tax, all the stuff that is really important to this roster until we know who is calling the shots, like, four months from now and who is actually going to be paying for this expensive roster or this new stadium. So... I think it's going to be okay, Phil. I'm optimistic and hopeful. But you just keep getting these stories where it's like, Matt Ish... I'm going to say his name. I'm Matt Ishbia. Ishbia. He bought the Suns overnight, right? And then the Mavs thing was like out of the blue. 
And no. I know that, and Charlie Walters had this, but I knew this, like the, the people that bought the Mavs had reached out to Glenn, but they wanted to move the Wolves to Las Vegas. So in Glenn's defense, he has kept this team at Target Center in Minneapolis, while a lot of people would come in and give him way more money and then just move it. So mm-hmm. I think Glenn has to get some kudos there, but I don't know, we're, we're going 24 months now on a layaway plan for a team that's probably worth an extra billion than what you got it for. Yeah, it's it's crazy discount. Can we here. just figure it out? Because it would be so Timberwolves for me to be like, everything new ownership has done has been great, except for, you know, the big thing about paying the money to get the team. Yeah, I just, I think at the end of the day, like, you can bring more people into the group, and I it, it's still a $1.5 billion acquisition cost or $1.6 billion. Like mm-hmm. you said, on a franchise that I guess I haven't checked the latest Forbes valuations, but it has to be worth – like if it hit the open market right now again, I think Glenn could get over $2 billion. Anthony, Think about where this thing was at two years ago. Anthony Edwards wasn't Anthony Edwards. Rudy Gobert wasn't the figure for this team that he is now. Number one team in the Western Conference. Like the entire profile of the team has risen – ever since the initial agreement for these guys to come in with their, you know, layaway installment plan. So it shouldn't be that hard for them to find another person or two to bring in some money. Now it will dilute the percentage that those guys specifically get, but they're going to remain majority owners. So I've also heard too, that like they're going to maybe have to put together a separate group altogether to build an arena. Mm -hmm. And the talk internally to this point, has been that they're going to look to privately finance said arena. And A-Rod went on the radio last year and said the same thing too. But um, is like, what does that look like? Have they got how far down the road are they there? Or are they trying to finalize this first? But like, that's going to be a discussion, especially if they're going second luxury tax apron. They're going to have to find ways to generate more revenue. So there's like a lot of question marks on the horizon here. I just, I'm with you. I hope that we don't have some sort of classic Timberwolves situation where it all just falls apart and <laughs> and you know everyone that's close to them like Arod was out here for that Portland week at least for the first game and I got to like meet him they sit courtside river by the team and I got to talk yeah. to someone who I guess I would describe as team Arod or like in Arod's camp Arod Corp, Corp guy or something yeah, yeah um it was great and we caught up and like everything was just working hard business as usual trying to make improvements you know um and everything's going to be okay and we've had like Dan Bowling on Dane's pod and he has good access to Mark and has hung out with Mark Laurie and he says the same thing. So it's just, I'm optimistic, but you also can't like call a spade a spade, right? Like we are now nearing 24 months or two years of a, of a thing that in every other transaction has basically been overnight or basically been like a week long Mm -hmm. thing. Like rich people come in buy the asset. It's theirs. Let's move forward. That's not what it's been here. Uh, And until it's solidified or clear, that is kind of hanging over all of this good vibes and good culture and good record and 40, 40, 20 is that, is this going to be a flea market six months from now? Right? Like, are they going to, they keep making these moves. They sign Mike Conley. They, you know, they get money Morris's uh, bird rights. They, they extend their coaching staff, but are Alex and Mark going to keep that momentum going? And uh, maybe it's nothing, but it's worth talking about because I don't think anything else matters. Really? I, that sounds dramatic. Nothing else matters if you have bad ownership. And the Wolves it have is. finally had good ownership for two years. And the results have been two of the better teams in franchise history. So if that ownership is made out of paper mache and not concrete, uh, it's going to be tough. It also feels like Laurie, like Laurie was front and center last season with his the shoes off thing. I mean, he was courtside 
not every game, but I would say for at least half the home games and a bunch of road games. I don't think he's been at nearly as many games, Laurie. I think it feels like A-Rod's been at a ton of games. Now, Laurie's also running a bunch of different businesses, yeah. and he's trying to build, like, this Tolosa, the city of the future. Yeah. You're trying to build the city of the future. You're probably not going to be at, like, a Wolves more about the city of the current, sorry. right? Like, the yeah. one you own. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. And you've and I don't think he was in Portland for the two games a couple weeks ago, but, like, it feels like he hasn't been around as much. I don't know what to make of that, yeah, and if he, anything. And, you know, they, they move behind the scenes and stuff, too. Like, I, I, there's been games that I was like, I don't know if anyone's there, and then someone will text and make yeah, A-Rod was there. But I do want to go back to your original point because it's worth the A-Rod stuff probably to the outside and people that just know of him as the baseball player, all that stuff, scoff at him. But I circle back all the time to that Dan Levitard interview. I do think, for the most part, Alex Rodriguez is like a changed man. And I try mm-hmm. to give credit to those people because if you're going through stuff or you're bad version of yourself i think it's cool that you can change as you get older i would hope that that would happen to me as well so uh i think he is doing a lot behind the scenes of like hey those ant comments about minneapolis is cool i don't need to go to new york i think some of that stuff is like ant or a rod in ant's ear sometimes being like hey man you can you can be the face of the league and live you know on a lake like you don't have to Mm -hmm. go to a big market you don't have to deal with traffic and all that stuff like you can have a, a simple media life and a nice, a nice house and, and be the guy who runs, you know, the second or third most popular sports league in the country. Uh, you don't have to go anywhere to do it. So I credit them. I credit A-Rod. I credit Mark Laurie for a lot of the innovative stuff they've done behind the scenes as well. But I would just like a news bulletin from Charlie Walters or Doogie or anyone Woj. It's like the transaction has been completed. Mark and Alex moved in and things are business as usual. Agreed. Agreed. I have one more thing for you for sure that we have to get to, which is the dumbest end of game scuffle in the history of dumb end of game scuffles. You're talking about shout Duke, out the Duke uh, crowd or oh, court storming, <laughs> dude. I'm, I'm so sick of going. court storming conversations. Now I feel like <laughs> I'm sorry. So predictable. Going. Like, should we stop court storm? I don't know. Like, you're gonna hire a hundred fifty thousand security guards to just like link arms across? Jay Bill said basketball. they should just. Trap everyone on the court and arrest them all. I was tasers. Like, <laughs> tasers. Yeah. <laughs> Trap everyone and arrest them. Oh, man. Um, let's shout out our friends at First Equity here for a minute. A few years ago, I had an amazing experience refinancing my home at the time with David over at First Equity Mortgage. He's been in the market with First Equity for 24 years. They pride themselves on supporting the community and treating every customer as a friend and as a neighbor uh, I was doing some counting, too, and that not only did I have a great experience with First Equity, but they've handled home loans or refis for 20 of my coworkers and friends. So we've got a little roving c- collection of people that have had great experiences with First Equity. They work fast. They have a great reputation in the community. David is a 20-year season ticket holder for Wolves and Lynx games. And you can find out more information at femort.com. That's femort.com. Or, or go to scorenorth.com, keyword David, and you can find out more information that way as well. So, okay, end of that game. And everyone was, I don't know, I think people thought the game is over, crowd's having a great time. It literally took like 10 minutes for them to review. Okay, was there, should there be technicals? Was there a flagrant in there somewhere? Dennis Schroeder, who's one of the just most ridiculous hothead, needs to calm down players sometimes in the NBA takes issue because Mike Conley, a guy who has never picked up a technical foul, right, in his entire NBA career. Like, the dude's played for a decade and a half. 
He's one of the most beloved players, respected players in the league. Conley's left wide open for a three with like 40 seconds to go, and he cashes it. And Dennis Schroeder gets offended, steps up to Mike Conley. Chaos ensues. Jade McDaniels comes in here. Can we, what's the unwritten rule here, Kyle? Can we just say, if you're an NBA basketball player, stop being offended that an opposing player is shooting a basket? Like, why are we so caught up in being offended by things like this? It's it's ridiculous to me. I think we could take it one step further. In 2024, as traditions, I mean, so many things are changing away from the old school way of doing something in, in any realm of life. I would probably just make my life easier if all the rules were written down that I had sure. to follow. You know, just so let's let me just know. get rid of yeah, the unwritten rules. Because if when I have to hear one more time that, oh, you know, the unwritten rules, it's like it would be easier to comprehend something if it was just written down. So in this case, I mean, I tweeted something out that was a little petty because I was all gassed up on cough medicine. But uh, that, you know, Dennis Schroeder, like, what did you want Mike to what did Dennis Schroeder want Mike to do? All the starters are still in the game. It's still a game that, you know, I guess you could have pulled everyone, but you don't normally take a timeout to sub all your starters out with 30 seconds because, again, you're just trying to keep things rolling because everyone has dinner plans. Everyone has deadlines. So there's 25 seconds again, but it's an open shot. Both teams are still, you know, playing. But what does De- what does Dennis Schroeder expect Mike Conley to do? Treat it like a contract extension from the Lakers for $80 million and turn it down like Dennis Schroeder famously did? Okay, so Mike has to take the shot. And also, you scout these guys so much and get these detailed reports to know probably what the Nets probably know what Mike Conley eats for a pregame thing. You know Mike Conley is like Mr. NBA. He is the gold standard for what you want from a teammate. So to pick a battle with him, I mean, there's great AP photos that are from that or a Getty that Mike Conley has like the most bewildered look on his face. Like, what are you doing? And then I have to shout him out because I've always wanted my favorite team and teams I cover to have one of these guys. Say what you want about Jaden McDaniels, but he just initially knew right away, like, no, 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 I got to get in here. I will fight this guy. He did it again with Rudy, right? I know I haven't always loved Jaden's offense. I know his body language over the weekend in a, in a game was a little, you know, meh. And Finch had to kind of sim down for a little bit. But you want that guy to step in and be like, don't even touch Mike. Like, he is, he is the gold standard. He is untouchable. He's our vet. So I loved how the team responded. Um... But Dennis Schroeder, I mean, just read the room, man. Like, it was less than a year ago. It was since they traded for Nikhil. But it was less than a year ago that I think he had a stint with the Lakers, and he hit a three in front of the Lake Timberwolves bench, and he did the whole ice in my veins thing. It was just completely showboating. Uh, It's, I don't know, if you can't handle it when it's not going your way, then you probably shouldn't do it when it is going your way. And he was just a classic example of he can dish it out, but he couldn't take it. Uh, And it was sucked because it was 10 extra minutes you had to sit there. It It was was, the longest review. Yeah, fans were getting restless. It, it, it's one of the softest things. Like I would almost if if that's a, if that was a Timberwolves player getting offended like that, I'm sure maybe our podcast would find a way to spin it. Like yeah, hyper competitive this that. I would in the back of my head be thinking, this is one of the stupidest players I've ever seen in my life. And if you're wasting energy getting offended by things like this, then I don't want you on my favorite basketball team. So there was a time there before the trade deadline where I was like, I could talk myself into Dennis Schroeder. After watching this play out, I am so glad the Timberwolves didn't trade for Dennis Schroeder and instead wind up with Monte Morris, who had, I, I think, you? his most productive game on Saturday night. He too. was. He was. He was. That's, our, that's our game recap. Uh, Monte Morris was good. <laughs> that's all we're going to talk about from the weekend. Period. Yep. I will say, too, the Schroeder <laughs> thing, because I, I like to watch, especially wins, I like to watch the game again the next morning. And it I don't know why it didn't hit me in the moment. I don't know if it hit you in the moment or anyone listening. But Dennis Schroeder 
two-arm shoves Mike Conley and causes yeah. a commotion. Why wasn't that a four-point play? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, he hit right. the three. Like, why wasn't he awarded a free throw there? Like, he was clearly fouled. So I know that the refs wanted that to just go away. But uh, just, I mean, it's just embarrassing. And I thought it was cool uh, post-game. They said all the right things. But Jaden said it, too. He's like, I mean, Jaden's always like, I don't know. It's probably whatever. It's overblown. But he stepped in and stepped in. And, I mean, even guys off the bench kind of stepped in. Like, they just got Mike out of there and said, listen, we'll, we'll handle this battle. But uh, yeah, just dude. an immature thing from an immature team and an immature player that has bounced around a lot and not always made the best decisions. So, uh, hands off. No one, no one touches Minnesota Mike. Yeah, keep your hands off. It's our leader. So, all right. I think that's a wrap on this episode here, Kyle. I think we solved the world's problems. We solved the Timberwolves' ownership problems, the league's marketing problems. The Lake uh, Court's finally coming back. They're finally going to debut oh, yeah? the new Lake Court uh, six months in the making, but whatever happened there. But yeah, they will, starting t- tomorrow night, they host Wemby and the Spurs. Spurs are bad, trap game potential, but man, if you have not watched a Victor Wembanyama game lately, he's starting to figure it out. Yeah. He just like gets five by fives now, which is insane. So if you don't have anything going on on Tuesday, the weather is nice, I believe, in your neck of the woods. It'll be a head little down, colder tomorrow, but yes, it'll be. This will be head a, down a to Target time. Center because that's going to be a good game, and the Wolves will be debuting their new basketball court inspired by the Ten Thousand Lakes of Minnesota. Let's go, LFG! And you can help us grow this podcast if you enjoy it, this Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, by clicking the like button and the subscribe button on the Score North YouTube channel, and by giving us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. In fact, here's what you can do. Give us a five-star rating and comment on Apple and Spotify who is your favorite random Timberwolf of all time. Okay, And who else would you like to see us track down as a guest? Shane Heal was our first random Timberwolf. Who is your favorite random Timberwolf of all time? I saw some, I don't know, I don't know if there's like a, like a group of people that are Wolves fans that kind of listen to the podcast, but not really. But I saw some people clowning our clips of Shane Heal. No, I put, I'm sorry. I put a list out of all the random Wolves that we've done oh, on yeah. Thursdays and said, hey, can you guess who we got for an interview? And of course, on the list is like Derek Rose was one of the random Wolves. And I think Sam Mitchell and people jumping in saying, well, those guys aren't random. Derek Rose you know, is an all-star who scored 50. He's not you. You guys are casuals. If you think Derrick Rose and no, 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 no. Random Wolf is literally random generated Wolf player name that we have to guess clues on. Like KG could be a random Wolf of the week. So yeah. the randomness is in the algorithm that Ross uses to generate to generate a right. name for us to guess. I would just, rather, just to clarify yeah. the confusion on a random wolf of the week in the comments. I would rather drink bleach than argue with someone on Twitter these days because it's mostly <laughs> just a lot of nudes and bios, uh, porn bots, but uh. Yeah, I, I will say we got a lot of positive feedback on the Shane Heal one, and I was feeling myself because the Shane Heal interview came with Ross and I just kind of shooting our shot, sending a DM to someone who doesn't know us. So I felt myself over the weekend, and I reached out to Stephen A. Smith, tried to get him oh. on the pod. Haven't heard back yet. Stephen so, A. Doesn't do, doesn't do interviews for free. So we, uh, we might have to go fund me to raise some money, or I'll talk to Mr. Rodriguez. But uh, so far, not good on the Stephen A. front, but we are trying. We will report back. If we if 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 the Wolves host the Lakers or the Warriors in the first round of the playoffs, I'll bet you Stephen A is at one of the games. Mm-hmm. We can track him down in person at Target Center. We'll just we'll just corner him. We'll put a microphone in his face or a selfie cam, and we'll we'll ambush him that way. 
I would talk actually about, love that. Talk about the Timberwolves more on your national television. Give me five seconds on the Timberwolves. <laughs> so, all right. He's Kyle. I'm Phil. This is a Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. Flagrant Howls.